Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. One year passes into another very quickly, not necessarily from one calendar year to the next, but from one cropping year to the next. With the harvest not quite over, there's still some beans to be cut, but oilseed rape is emerging on farms and planning for the next crop is well underway. With this planning process in mind, it's worth listening back to the recent Chagas Tillage Forum as its topics discussed include variety choice, the influence of Satori on wheat and grain market prospects for the coming year. We will listen to the questions and answers from each of the sections and it'll give you an excellent insight into each of these topics. So I asked the questions of the panel, which comprised of John Joe Byrne from the Department of Agriculture, Stephen Kilday from Chagas and Phelan Dolan from Comex McKinnon. In the first section, I was joined by John Joe, Stephen and Kieran. I first asked John Joe if the cold weather during the growing season had any effect on their trial plot results. Yeah, particularly in the winter barley, I think there was there was an issue in terms of cold weather and ramillary at certain sites that followed on from that. There was definitely a stress relationship with some of that hard weather. In terms of oats, um, we didn't see any real dramatic um, differences between the varieties. We, we checked all our varieties shortly after that issue was identified and we didn't uh, come across those issues at our sites. Okay. And just one follow-up on there, there's a question here from Lisa who asks, uh, around the Kildalton site in terms of winter wheat yield, it seems to be quite a ways back in comparison to the other sites. Is there any reason for that? Um, we haven't really put our finger on it. It's, it's, Kildalton was always a high disease pressure uh, site, so that's probably part of the explanation this year, that the year that was, the pressure was a lot higher. So. Um, Similar to the valley around site, even with the fungicides, some of the varieties struggle to, to, to keep to keep it together. Okay, Stephen, can I come across to you? And um, there's a bit of in uh, 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 question here around mixes of different varieties. Um, is and there's a bit more interest in that at the moment in terms of trying to include the Kruger maybe in with non-Kruger varieties. Is that something that is a possibility of of something in the future for farmers? I think, look, this is a question that is, uh, I suppose, coming up quite often um, recently. And it is, it's is—it's quite a difficult one to answer in terms of what are we, I suppose, the question comes back to what are we trying to achieve with that mixture? If it's resilience, look, diversity, of course, will, will increase our resilience. Um, and I think then we have to look at what, what type of resilience are we trying to achieve? Is it purely from a disease control perspective and the ability to reduce fungicides or manage our fungicides? Um, and that then, of course, then is going to come back down to the varieties that are going to be included in the mix, um, of course. Of course, it will have some benefit um, in, in lower pressure environments. I can very clearly see it. In the higher pressure environments down south, I'm not so sure whether it would have that major impact. Um, and I think we probably still have to be reliant to some extent on fungicides down there to be able to achieve that. Um, but definitely look at it as something that is becoming more topical uh, and something that we will be looking at or, and are looking at, I should say, at the moment. And a follow-up question there around that as well, in terms of the selection of varieties, and obviously some of these aren't on the recommended list, but some of the likes of astron Astronomer and some of the other varieties with Cooper Genome are available this year. Um, are these varieties really going to be contained within kind of the, the northern half of the country, if you like? Are they suitable at all for the southern half? I, I think where there's high disease pressure, look, and there will be some high disease pressure up the north. Um, you'll have to be aware of that your, yourself, um, being honest. It is a risk, and it's about that risk management and how risk averse you might be. Um, 
what I would say is just because, and I, I sort of echo John Joe's words in terms of just because the, the crop looked very good this year, low, even you might regard as high disease pressure, I think these strains will move um, and eventually they're going to find their way up there and it will be a case of managing that risk. High pressure down south, I think the risk is too high, being honest, um, definitely. So, Kieran, I would like to come to you and maybe ask that question in a slightly different way, in the sense of rather than mixing varieties within within the fields, the overall mix of varieties on, on farm in a general sense. You might give us an example about how that might work in practice for some of the larger growers. Yeah, I suppose, Michael, you know, anybody, as you say, a larger grower isn't going to grow one variety. Um, and you're, you're obviously, as Stephen says, to manage risk, you're, you're going to need that. And I'd quote John Joe as well, there's no one variety that ticks all the boxes. So I suppose... Your location, firstly, is a big factor. And we've spoken about higher disease pressure down south. So obviously you're looking at something with a little bit more on Septoria. Um, but then if you look at yellow rust, now you will get yellow rust down south as well, but certainly it's going to be a higher pressure in the northeast, you know. So again, that that's something that you have to look at. And then I suppose not to forget about sprouting, you know, um, you know, there's 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 two good varieties there with, with, with good yield spearhead new this year, but like it's a it's susceptible to sprouting. And again, you just can't carry a lot of that in the system because you may not get the, the harvest weather to, to get through a big area of it. So for me, it's about managing risk, having that mix of varieties. If you wanted a very specific example, I think Graham and Costello complement each other very well, you know. You certainly have Graham, you know, better better disease uh, profile, especially in terms of, of septoria. But then if you get a wet harvest and we do get quite a few of those, you know, you would be glad to have Costello in the system. You know, it's got good KPH. It's got excellent grain quality and, and good straw, you know, may not yield as high as Graham in, in a very good year. But, and not obviously as good on Septoria, but they, they complement each other very well. So I think that's what you'd really be looking for in certainly in a wheat scenario, Michael. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Hey, John, just come back to you in terms of diversity. Uh, we have a question here around um, any plans to do hybrid rye in terms of trials? Yes, it's, it's something we're considering. Uh, I suppose we're going to see how it performs commercially for, for this coming season before we'll, we'll enter into it. More, most likely next year when we'll, we'll start start a trial program. Um, I'm not sure how it has performed commercially or is there any feedback locally from Kieran or yourself? Yeah, I, I suppose the few crops that I, I've been in this year, um, a few farmers that have been growing it for a few years and they've got on very well with it. Um, I suppose we, we've spoken about managing risk and I think Roy certainly does that. You obviously don't have that same disease pressure. Um, we know that we can get very good yields awry, and I think this year they've, they've been reasonably good as well, to be fair. Um, so I, I think it is a valuable alternative. I suppose, like always, you have to make sure that you have a willing buyer in your locality, and I suppose that's that's crucial. I suppose of my observations, disease, obviously excellent, yield is, is excellent, uh, straw needs management, and a little bit like the a sprouting variety, you, you, you can't have too much rye in the system because if you do get a bad harvest, you know, any of the growers, it does break down. They all manage to cut it, but it certainly is slower. So again, it's a bit, a bit of management involved there. But yeah, I think it certainly has positives going forward, in my view. Okay. A couple of final questions back to you, John Joe. One is around uh, Ramillary ratings. Are they, they're going to appear on recommended lists going forward? And the other one then is around the untreated. You mentioned that as well. Is there any plans to publish untreated so people can get a, get a good view as regards what the overall 
um, disease package looks like with, with no fungicides. I uh, on the ramal area once we once we're happy we're getting a consistent picture. Like uh, the last thing we want to do is to put varieties down um, unfairly. Our colleagues in AHDB had Ramillaria scores and they, they removed them from their list. I think they, they had question marks over how reliable those scores were. So um, on disease in general, we've moved across to, to tree replications at, at our untreated uh, trials to, to help uh, improve the reliability of that data. So um, that we started that this year. So definitely from next year on, we should be able to start putting it together in terms of a recommended list rating. It might start to stand up. Up to now, there's been lots of inconsistencies across years. Maybe the other option is to put up the most recent year's data as a reference point, but it's it's pretty scary reading, but that's, that's what people need that scare at times when they're okay. at risk they're taking. So in the final section, I was just joined by Phelan, and I first asked Phelan about the prospects of oilseed rape for the coming year. Well, look, I think oilseed rape for, for the whole, um, for anyone that's growing it, is an absolutely good news story. I mean, it, it's, it's an exportable cash crop. We don't, unfortunately, have you know, a huge demand for it on the island here, and it's really too expensive now to be incorporated into animal feed. But there is a ready export market for it, be turned into cash um, yields you know we've, we've got better at growing it I would say um, and varieties have obviously improved as well um, but yeah look super prices you know and even forward looking forward into next year you know quite good prices I mean we've, we've um, bought oilseed rape for, for next year this week at 475 euros um, so I think really from a grower's point of view plays a super part in the rotation generates cash and um, I would encourage more people to get involved in it if, if they can. Okay. Another question here on what way is the malting Bob Creel market looking at the moment? Malting market is quite firm. I don't follow the Bob Creel market particularly um, but the, the you know the cash price for, for fob malting barley is quite strong for the moment. Um, look, there's obviously a problem in France um, and I think everyone else in Europe is basically assessing what quality of barley they can make at the moment. Um, I would think you may see more sellers coming into the market come late September, early October, as, as that situation becomes more certain. But for the time being, it's quite firm, mainly due to a lack of sellers. Okay. Can I ask you one final question? Because we're just up against time a little bit. Um, Green grain for barley doesn't often breach 200 euros a ton. There's probably a good bit of barley um, gone into merchants, but certainly a good bit of barley gone into farmers' own sheds to either to be dried and stored. Are they best to, to try and get rid of that earlier rather than later? What way do you see the market? I mean, should they wait till January, February, March? Well, look, I mean, it's, it's very hard, you know, to give a definitive answer to that. I mean, I think people have to, to decide what works for themselves best in terms of managing the risks in their own business. But I would always tend to, when talking to growers, to focus on, you know, whether you can take a profit or not. And, you know, no one ever went broke for taking profit. I do think the market, you know, through next year is very, very, very hard to predict because you can't forget the prices are already quite high. But, you know, looking at the, the headline demand supply numbers, they're justifiably high. But 
I always feel that that when you start taking the market for granted, you can very quickly get a slap on the jaw. And I just think if there's profit to be taken, there are downside risks here as well. And and I certainly wouldn't encourage people to gamble everything they have in their shed. Okay. One very final one. Um, is there any sustainability and the availability of grain, I suppose, from around the world coming into Ireland? What way is the market looking at that? Or are they looking at it more seriously? Or maybe is there certain parts of the market looking at that sustainability, carbon bit, all of that kind of thing all in one? Is there always that looking at the moment? Well, look, I think from, from obviously sustainability and carbon capture in, in tillage farming, you know, this is the way forward for certain. And it is going to be driven one way or the other. It's going to be driven by legislation. Um, look, the, the, the big brands in terms of the food and drinks industry, they certainly want to be associated with sustainability and, and you know, possible carbon capturing in, in tillage farming. Um, you know, I suppose rather than sustainability, what people are talking now is, is regenerative farming. Um, and look, from what I've seen, regenerative farming makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, possibly over the longer term, reducing your requirement for fertilizer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would say by and large, at this stage, the animal feed market is not so concerned with it. Um, look, they're happy enough to be associated with it, but are they prepared to pay a premium for it? Uh, I wouldn't say there's a queue to do that at the moment. That's it for the Tillage Edge. My thanks to John Joe, Stephen, Kieran, and Phelan for the excellent update from the Crops Forum. A full video of the forum webinar can be found on the Chagas Crops YouTube page. We have a couple of more events coming your way in the next few weeks. The first is a webinar focusing on winter malt and barley, where we will discuss the latest trial results and how to get the best from your varieties this year. I'm also pleased to say we're getting back into the fields with a series of meetings focusing on autumn management on tillage farms. The events will be held on farm on Monday the 20th September in Cork, Tuesday the 21st in Tipperary, Wednesday the 22nd in Kildare. All of the events start at 11am except for Kildare which starts at 3pm. The topics at the events will include autumn weed control, dealing with organic manures on farm and other local topics. Registration is necessary for all of these events and more details for all the events mentioned can be found at chagas.ie forward slash events. So finally, don't forget, if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.